Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. And Chris, I think we just talked a little bit about how I am not sick. My voice might sound a little bit different. <laughs> I am still trying to get in shape for this triathlon. I have one month to go. You might remember back in the turn of the year, that was one of my yep. New Year's resolutions. I did it to keep me honest and to keep me training. It hasn't quite worked according to plan, but I haven't given up <laughs> just yet. So I got a Good month to go. That's why my voice Good is for you, man. a little bit raspy here. But hey, before we get going, I just want to tell people, remind people, if you like this podcast, please do a like and a share. I know when I like a podcast, I never share it because I just don't think about it. I'm in my car or something like that. But if you mm -hmm. are at your computer just right now, pause everything and just share it. Just trust me. We're going to talk about good stuff here today. Is, is that are. fair, Chris? Is that, is that a guarantee we can make? Oh, guarantee. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about Trump today, so it's going to be heated. So we're going to love it. Everybody's going to love that. Trump has been indicted again, again, but we're not, we're not going to talk about that just yet. Yes, we will talk about the Trump indictment. In fact, Chris, this is going to be a rare treat for our listeners because you and I are going to actually be exhibiting what it's like to think like a lawyer. We're going to put together a defense of Donald Trump. And yes, that is worth mm -hmm. a lot of money. It's going to be able to, I, I actually had a friend of mine who was Donald Great Trump's uh, uh, personal attorney. And I was wondering what happened to this particular friend. And so I Googled <laughs> her today. Do you know what I found out? She's not practicing anymore. She had been censored by her particular jurisdiction for um, misleading statements in the press. And so I thought, okay, Ooh. that's interesting. I guess when you are Donald Trump's attorney, that comes with a little bit of a, a trepidation, a danger, and things like that. So, or the territory. Like, you're just going to have to flat out lie if you're Donald Trump's attorney. So you better get paid a lot because it might be your last mm -hmm. paycheck before McDonald's Indeed. picks you up. Uh, but we're also going to be uh, an attorney for the prosecution. Basically, we're going to put together each side's case. And we're going to offer this for either side to just take off of uh, the internet and use it however yep. you wish. I guess we're all going to have a little bit of fun with that. All right. Oh, but boy. first. I feel like, Chris, we need to do a public service announcement because I uncovered Ooh. this week uh, some uh, what, what Corey Richens, which I believe is your gal up there. You, you yes, have, you have some connection. I say connection. You're in the same general part of the, the country. People say that to me all the time. Oh, you're from Kansas City. I yeah. know a lawyer from Kansas City. You must know that lawyer. No, we're just of course from Kansas City. Mm hmm. No, you must know everybody. It's it's, you know. Nowhere Town, USA. Come on. So Corey Richens is from your part of the world, and, and we all know yes. that she is the lady who uh, allegedly murdered her husband and then wrote a children's book about how children deal with grief with the loss of their mm -hmm. father. Uh, I have yet to buy that book and see if it actually includes a chapter on the particular guilt you might feel when you are the one that knocked off your child's dad, but that's another story. Allegedly. It came out this week that she did some internet searches before the murder. And Chris, this got me thinking, maybe we should come up with a list on things mm. that maybe you should just never search on the internet. 
is that fair to have a, maybe a list that we put there Ooh. on our computer so we can review that? Oh, if I'm going to do a search for this, maybe I shouldn't because Joel and Chris said that's not a good idea. So let me give you some of the things that she searched for. And I want to get your responses as to would this ever be a good internet search? Okay. First no. one. All of them. No. <laughs> what is a lethal dose of fentanyl? Joel, my head hurts. Like my 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 criminal defense attorney heart breaks into millions and millions of pieces. Right? Fish get caught by the mouth. I've said it once. I said it a thousand times. Fish get caught by the internet search. Yes. Googling what's a lethal dose of fentanyl. Right. Uh, why? Why would you? And let's what put this possibly? In let's say right. you're not planning on killing someone. Why would you Google right. that? Are you a pharmacist? Are you a doctor? Um, are are you a drug manufacturing representative? Are you a are you a medical pill lobbyist? Are you a Congress member? That may be something a Congress member would need to know, right? I I, I think maybe. you were giving a very very valiant effort, but I think you widely were no all none wrong. of those people should all ever wrong. engage in that search. If right. you are th have your computer, just block that search so the authorities oh. are not alerted. All right, here's another one, and I want you to give your same good effort that you gave with the last one. Okay, I'm here right. for this. I'm here for this. Can cops force you to do a lie detector test? I mean, no, lie detectors aren't admissible in court, but that's very shady. Very, okay. very. Right. Are, are you, are you, a, are you a law student? Are yeah. you a criminal defense attorney? Are are you a public defender? There you go. Are you, are you a member of Congress? Chris, Again, I'm, I'm going to give you points no. on this one. You struck out on the first one. You connected on okay. this one. This one is a valid. Okay. Search if you like you said if you if you're just curious about the Fourth Amendment, I can right. see someone wanting to know the answer to that question. Right. Still, if you are Still. going to kill your spouse, I am suggesting that might not be a good search to do. Right. If you are Lori Vallow or Corey Richens, do not do these searches. Right. But it's too late. But whatever. No, I, I'm actually kind of looking to take a vacation somewhere in the near future. I want to get out to Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao okay. again. Uh, and so I I, I'm always places. curious about Beautiful. places to go and stay. So this next one, maybe? This next one, mm -hmm. this next search that she did was luxury prisons for the rich in America. Maybe she just wants to know. I mean, yes. Like, Martha Stewart went to a luxury prison. Um the guy who did Enron, uh, Madoff, he went okay. to a luxury prison. Um, I could see f a Fox News executive wanting to check that out. <laughs> I could also see a MSNBC executive wanting to check that out. I could also see like some like Fox TV or FX trying to do a reality show of luxury prisons. There you go. In the United States. All right. Right. That's a reality show we haven't done yet. Two wins for you, one loss. Fair. I agree with you. That that yeah. might be a legitimate. Um, and even if you mm -hmm. are planning on killing your husband, it, maybe that's just not a bad thing right. to be curious about. What are the right. consequences of, of uh, such action? <laughs> All right. How about this one? Death certificate says pending. Will life insurance still pay? <laughs> I got nothing for that. I, I, are you an insurance agent? Are you a, 
um, maybe a creditor or maybe this is a chapter 13 bankruptcy hearing, right? Trying to figure out who your creditors are, where your sources of income are from. Um, did you murder your husband? You know, so, we, we are going through this right now in the Oster household. I bought a 10 year life insurance policy and I was okay. wondering how long ago it was. Turns out it was about seven and a half years ago. So I have two and a half years mm -hmm. to, to knock off. Uh, but it, it part of this, that conversation, we nowhere did it enter our minds of, well, but what if the death certificate said pending? Well, will it still right. pay out? No, we're right. just going to assume we're going to get the death benefit. The whole pending aspect never crossed our minds. You're still dead. At the end of the day, you're still dead. Unless some life insurance policies do not allow payouts for suicides, right? So if some. you can rule out suicide and still have a pending status, Right. Okay. You could still you could still collect. But if it's ruled a suicide and it's no longer pending, it's in suicide. Most insurance life insurances won't pay out. I am just saying you probably should never Google. This should not be yeah, a question. 100%. No, a legitimate mind should ever wonder about unless right. you're planning awesome. some nefarious activity. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. How about this one? 100%. If someone is poisoned, what does it go down as on the death certificate? <laughs> Just murder what murder <laughs> murder curious minds want to know i'm just saying i'm look this flashes back to my like law school days right what's ways that you can get to murder one death by poison automatically presumes premeditation therefore it's murder one in california so when anybody says oh if i poison my spouse what do i get charged with murder All murder right, hey. one hey so if you First listeners degree. if you can think of any other searches that top these in our list Ooh, of yeah. 100 searches that you should never do, please let us know. Put it on our, our Facebook page. Email me. Text me if you have my number. I want to hear from you. If you have a, a, another idea of a search that should never enter your keyboard, let's do a little bit, a bit of a public service announcement and provide yeah. that list uh, for the rest of the people. All right. So Chris, for sure. I know you've been itching for this. You've been ready to dig in on Trump indicted. I think that you're mm -hmm. the one that coined the phrase indictment day. Indictment. Yes, that was, I think I might've heard that somewhere, but I do feel like that's a Chris Marone happiness right there. Now you got two of those per year. So this is going to be like a lot of celebration, a lot of partying going on. It's kind of like national donut day. There's going to be several of them. <laughs> They're, there, there's looking to be a lot more of indictments coming down the line too. So we'll we'll see we'll see how this this pan, this pens out for the the good Donald. But will there be a national conviction day? That I am Ooh. not certain of. In fact, I would probably would say no. But that being said, uh, how surreal is it that we that we just went through an indictment of a U.S. president from the opposition mm -hmm. party? And the collective response was basically, if I can paraphrase, um, ho-hum. I mean, it just, it's like, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it also seems like well, we've been there before and done that. Well, I mean, what, there's, there's a couple of ways to respond to this, right? There's absolute outrage, which I feel that you've got covered pretty well, Joel. Um, there's absolute jubilation, which I feel I have covered pretty well. Um, and then, I mean, the reporting on this should be, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Again, Chris Marone could be wrong. But 
an indictment is an indictment is an indictment. All it says is there's enough evidence. There's a belief that there's enough evidence to charge Donald Trump with these crimes. Whether he's guilty of it or not, absolutely no bearing on this whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. So I right now... I will agree with that for this indictment, which we're going to get into in just a bit. I will not agree with that for the first indictment. There was no crime there whatsoever. But this one, I think Trump is is in trouble or could be in trouble. Mm -hmm. This one is in a totally different category than the first indictment. As much as that one was frivolous, this one has teeth to it and should have his attention. That being said, my next point on this, my next take is, I think it's going to make the, the hair on the back of your neck stand on end as an attorney because I, I know you've been so busy with your new gig there. Maybe you haven't been paying uh -huh. attention, but let me just give you a little bit of recap of what happened this last week and tell me if the hair on the back of your neck, your attorney neck doesn't stand on end. All right, Trump showed up in federal court in, in Miami, I believe, to face 37 criminal indictments, right? These are felonies. Yep. He could spend the rest yep. of his life in jail. He then follows mm -hmm. that up by appearing on Fox News to be questioned by Brent Bayer over these 37 <laughs> indictments without an attorney present. What? You, you remember like five minutes ago, I said fish get caught by the mouth, right? You know what also it reminds me of? Um, rem we, we did this a bunch of podcasts ago where it was um, the guy who took his girlfriend hiking and everybody believed that he murdered her hiking and the parents were on TV and the parents were like, I have no comment, I have no comment, I have no right. comment. And people were like, how dare the parents not say anything? And you and I were like, no, that's the smartest thing they could have done, right? They went right. on there and they said, no comment, no comment, no comment. Like, we're, Trump's not learning anything, right? Trump... and. and we're going to go we're going to go this like you know you know paragraph by paragraph here but trump's greatest weakness without a doubt is his inability to shut up in front of the camera yes absolute greatest weakness he wants to be the center of attention and he doesn't care what he says to be the center of that attention and that is going to get him got is that uh, I, on that interview, because it has nothing to do with the indictment, Britt was asking um, Trump, you know, in 2016, you said you were going to surround yourself by the smartest people in the world, that he was going to have the smartest cabinet of the smartest people. And he did. He picked up some really smart people, General Mattis and Bill Barr and Nikki he and all of those those people that are now almost running for president as well. But then he went and attacked each and every one. And Fox News was like, so make it make sense to us. Either they were the smartest people in the world or they're these idiots that you talk about, please. And he's like, he's like, I said what I said. That doesn't work in court. That does not, uh, you cannot get to the witness stand and be impeached and go, well, which one was true, Mr. Trump or president, even if they went, President Trump, was this true or was this true? You can't go, I said what I said. And God have mercy if Trump takes the stand in this case. L look, it is very clear my opinions of one Donald John Trump. It is very clear. But I am begging you with every lawyer like piece that is in me, every every student debt payment, every red lettered word, every crossed out sentence, every yell at by a judge, Donald Trump, do not take that stand. 
I I, I get not. how the lawyer in you is screaming that. However, right. the podcaster in me is screaming, Please do it. take the stand. Do it. And take the stand up comedian oh is going like, Oh heck yes, you gotta yes. take the stand. <laughs> Well, we, you know, Joel, we wear a lot of different hats here at the Comedian of Law podcast, debriefing the law. Um, yeah, every every entertainment bone of me says you got to take the stand, Trump. You got to do it. You got, but and that's his hubris, right? Like he will give in to the entertainment aspect of all of this and not realize that he could spend the rest of his life in jail. These are serious charges, and that is a great segue yeah. because as much as I think that first indictment is just meritless and, and fraudulent, mm -hmm. it should result in the DA Bragg being disbarred or censured himself, <laughs> this one has teeth, and we're going to unpack why. But before we get going, and I want to go over a lot of these different paragraphs in this indictment and, and play lawyer mm -hmm. with, with you, I, I think yeah. it's important to understand that two things can be true at the same time. One... Right. This can be a political hack job. This could be the result of one political party trying to take out its opposition. That's what why this is so uh, earth-shattering, is here you have one administration bringing charges against the lead opponent, the political adversary who's leading in the polls against <laughs> you, and you're trying to throw that person in jail. That has never happened before. This banana republic kind of stuff. It is true that this can be politically motivated and at the same time be legitimate. And so that's those are my two realities here. So I'm going to be kind of talking mm -hmm. out of both sides of my mouth. On one hand, I right. think this is a political hack job. On the other hand, I'm saying... Trump should be scared. There's a lot of legitimacy. There are some real mm -hmm. violations of the law going on here. He needs to listen to his attorneys. And my, my favorite part about this is that who does this politically benefit? Right? Because it's not Democrats. Democrats do not politically benefit with a Trump in jail. Democrats politically benefit from a Trump in the race. Yes. They want to hurt, hurt him, but not mortally right just a little surface right. wound to let him still run right. for office beat DeSantis in the primary I, I agree with that one so they got to be a little bit careful in how aggressively we can talk about the timing here at, at the end of this as well because I think the timing is going to be right. very very interesting all right so let, let's let's jump in here uh, and see who mm -hmm. What are the motivations here? Because I think, as you pointed out, you got to analyze the political motivations from both sides. That is going to be a part of the, the defense here and, or the strategies from both sides. All right. So to my point that I think this is politically motivated, I saw a lot of examples in this complaint where it was drafted not to offer details, not to offer mm -hmm. specifics to support an indictment, but to inflame the media reporting on the indictment. So that bothers me. This should play to a jury, not to the jury in the, the, the courtroom of public opinion. But I'm afraid that's where mm -hmm. this really is meant to be uh, adjudicated in the courtroom right. of public opinion. It shouldn't be in the courtroom of law. So as example A, I want to focus our attention here to paragraph four. <coughs> so if you are not a lawyer used to these indictments yep. or these political, these, these legal pleadings, almost every mm -hmm. single pleading has numbered paragraphs. And so paragraph right. four here says at 12 PM on January 20th, 2021, Trump ceased to be president period. 
as he departed the White House, Trump caused scores of boxes, many of which contained classified documents, to be transported to the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida, where he maintained his residence. Trump was not authorized to possess or retain those classified documents. If you just read that, it sure sounds like at 12 p.m., Trump was leaving the White House and issuing these orders when he was no longer the president. I don't think that's the case. I did my own independent research. Trump left the White House at 8 a.m. that mm -hmm. morning. And so his instructions, whatever they were to declassify these documents, took place before he left the White House while he was still president. I think that is that's a critical point here. If this case ever gets to the Supreme Court, it's going to be over the issue of did President did Trump make these decisions while he was still president or did he make these decisions after he was president and no longer had the authority to do so? And just kind of rough riding, just roughshodding over the, the, the particulars of what time of day did Trump make this call, that's a huge matter that they just glossed over. Any, any thoughts? I think, um, one, rarely does a criminal case make it to the Supreme Court unless you're going to be put on death row. So if this makes it to the Supreme Court, I think that that in itself is a precedent. Two, this says that Trump was no longer president at noon. It says as he departed the White House, he caused all these scores of boxes. So at 8 a.m., if, if that's when he left, according to your independent research, and I'll go with that, that he told people to stack up all these boxes. Okay. Did, was he allowed to do that? The prosecution's contention is no. The defense's contention is going to be yes. And the prosecution is going to have to carry that burden of, we just, you know, we may have said this paragraph four, but here's the proof of paragraph four, right? Here's the, here's the, the memo that Trump sent out at, 1:25 p.m. on January 20th, ordering the boxes being moved, or the 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 prosecution for those at home have the burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt in a criminal matter. So therefore, yes, they're making all these allegations, which is what an indictment is, right? It's allegations of a crime committed, and at at trial they're going to offer proof. So I think, in my opinion, it's too early to say this is crap. This is, this is idiotic. I think all indictments are crap and idiotic. I think all indictments favor the prosecution over everyone else. That's why they don't allow defense attorneys into grand jury proceedings or nothing. This is a one-sided vague look at the prosecution's case. Will this come up at, at trial? Absolutely. A good defense attorney is going to punch any and every hole that they can in this prosecution's attempt to say Trump wasn't technically the president when he ordered these boxes to be transported. Yeah. Trump could have ordered them four or five days before the inauguration, right? They, he could have offered them on January 15th, exactly. which is actually one of the best days of the year. For those of you at home, that's my birthday. Make sure you keep track and send me gifts. But he could have, he could have said on January 15th, the morning of January 20th, I want all these boxes, which I hereby declassify to be delivered to Mar-a-Lago. And I think that's critical. Now, you mentioned that not many criminal cases make it to the United States Supreme Court. I would respond mm -hmm. by saying not too many criminal cases involve a former president of the United States. Also true. And, and leading true. candidate for the, the presidency. So the issue here also is true. going to be presidential powers. 
it's because one of the one of the arguments is these mm -hmm. are classified documents. Well, how do you know a document is classified? These are presidential. These are documents within the executive mm -hmm. branch. The Constitution gives the the president the the power over the executive branch. He doesn't have to share this power. He's kind of mm -hmm. like a king within the executive branch. He he creates the rules. And if Trump mm -hmm. says, you know what, these documents they were classified. They're classified no more. It right. doesn't matter if he didn't follow some other person's procedures they wrote down as the, the rules they should follow. If Trump mm -hmm. says that's what I that's the order of the I am decreeing, so be it. And um, and so they uh, they're declassified. It, At least that's the argument does, that's going to be made that the Supreme Court has yet to take up, and it could be right. dispositive in this case. But he also has to communicate it, right? Someone no, he has doesn't to, have to communicate. He just has to. He does. He's the, he's the he king. has to. But he has to tell somebody that they're declassified. He has I to agree let, that that is a burden know. of proof. In other words, I, I right. would agree that someone would say, I don't believe you. Well, let a jury decide. Right. If the jury says, oh, you didn't tell anyone, I think you're just making this up after the fact. I do agree as an evidentiary matter that's important. Right. I disagree that it's dispositive. Okay, we can agree to disagree on that one. Also, if the defense doesn't bring this up, the Supreme Court can't hear it anyways. Right. If the defense just like is asleep at the wheel right. and glosses over these, and I'm not saying they will be right. But, but looking at this, if the defense doesn't go, this is a presidential powers issue, there's no right to appeal to it. There's no record of it. Like you, and this, and this, this is a lot of inside baseball right now for the listeners at home that aren't attorneys, but to be able to appeal an issue, you have to make a record of it at the trial court. Right. If the defense does not make a record of it at the trial court, Right. Then you can argue ineffective assistance of counsel or you can argue prejudicial effect, but you can't argue the presidential powers issue to go to the Supreme Court because that was not preserved in the record. So I think if, during his interview with Brett, Brett Baer, he insinuated right. that that's the route he's going to go. I think maybe he listened mm -hmm. to our, yours in my first run of this podcast. Of course. Listeners, you don't know this, but a couple of days ago, Chris and I <laughs> recorded half of this. And then yeah. we had some technical difficulties, had to just jettison it. But in that, we actually kind right. of unpacked what his legal strategy should be. And then I heard this interview with him and Brett Baird. I'm thinking... Did you listen to our podcast? It sure sounds like that's the argument you are making. Uh, and so he basically told Brett Bear that, look, I said these are classified. And, and so when I say it, that's what happens. That's the decree. Mm -hmm. They were declassified. And when he was not president, he could no longer do that. So, all right. Right. That's going to be an issue that's going to go up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Timing is going to be critical if it ever gets there. Right. We're going to unpack the timing because I think the timing is a whole other animal altogether. Mm -hmm. But a second main legal issue that I got from this indictment is that the, the basically this focused on two different braggadocia moments that Trump had that were caught on audio word. recording. I think everyone kind of heard about this. And so uh -huh. in this indictment, it unpacks those two different situations. And so paragraph mm -hmm. 34, I'm going to start with, because then paragraph 34 is where the, in this indictment, the prosecutor kind of lays out these conversations. And so paragraph 34 says this, says the pun greeting the writer, publisher, and his two staff members, Trump stated, in quotes, so we are assuming there's an audio tape with this quote, Trump yep. stated, look what I found. This was the senior military official's plan of attack. Read it and just show it's interesting. Later in the interest, so actually, let's just stop right there. That's problematic for Trump. 
Look what Very. I found. This was a plan of attack. Read it and just show it's interesting. I don't, I don't know what, what to say about that. that. That seems bad. It seems bad. Well, I'm, I'm glad we got to this level of it seeming to be bad. <laughs> All right. Um, There's some quotes mil here. Military strategic plans probably shouldn't just be found and passed out. Just putting it out there. Right. All right. So then let's go over the actual dialogue here. So Trump said this. Well, with the senior military official, uh, let me see that. I'll show you an example. He, he said that I wanted to attack country A. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look, this was him. They presented me this. This is off the record. No, it's not. He said, this Nothing is, off, is the record, off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. The writer said, wow. <laughs> to which Trump then said, we looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. Pages <coughs> long. Look, the staffer said, hmm. Trump then said, wait a minute, let's see here. Then there was laughter in the room with a, yeah. Then Trump said, I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. The staffer said, hmm. Trump then said, except it is like highly confidential. The staffer then laughs. Trump then said, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack and... Trump then said, by the way, isn't that incredible? The staffer said, yeah. Trump then said, I was just thinking because we were talking about it. And you know, he said he wanted to attack a country. A, eh? but what? The staffer said, you did? Trump then said, this was done by the military and given to me. Uh, I think we can probably write. So let me just, oh, two more phrases here. The staffer then said, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to. Then Trump interjected, declassify it. The staffer said, figure out a, yeah. Trump then said, see, as president, I could have declassified it. The staffer then laughed. But Trump then said, now I can't, you know, but this is still a secret. The staffer then laughed again. Now we have a problem. Trump then said, well, isn't that interesting? Okay, Chris, I'm going to need a minute here to come up with my legal defense here. So why don't you yeah, go you ahead are. Yeah, you are. and give me your, your best take on what Trump can say here. So this was July 21st, 2021, I believe. So there is no question at this point who the president of the United... Well, that's not true. I'm sure there's Marjorie Taylor Greene who still questions who the actual legitimate president is. But that is a whole nother discussion for another time. Um... Trump knew he wasn't president, and he said, I could have declassified. This is, again, fish get caught by the mouth. That is going to be the title of my memoirs, the Trump indictment, fish get caught by the mouth. There you go. Um, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to come back and say, like, you could say Trump was Trump was joking that Trump had declassified it and that he was trying to show favor in front of once you've proven, I think, honestly, once you've proven that Trump declassified or put forth the defense that Trump declassified all of the documents within his possessions, he went through and nomina patre and, and, and did the declassification of all of this stuff. 
it doesn't matter what he tells other people, whether it's classified or not. And it doesn't matter what they believe because at the end, legally, it was declassified by Donald Trump. Now, if there is going to be an issue, which I think this indictment reads that there is going to be a timeline issue on if or when Trump declassified documents, this goes to the prosecution's case going, he knew that the document was not declassified. That's, I think, the problem for Donald Trump, again, running his mouth at a, at a whatever it was, a barrister's dinner or a bearmaster's right. dinner or something like that. Um, also, just quick question. Why are staffers mic'd up recording conversations with the former president? Like, <laughs> yes. that should have been a room. That should have been a Trump safe room. Right. I'm gonna, Who I'm is gonna, recording this? I assume it's the writer. Right. Is it the recording? And, and does Trump also, does he know, right? Because that could be a great defense. He had his tape out. He was recording. I was giving him something sultry for him to print. I like to have my name in the news, right? Like I started saying things that I knew were untrue. I was lying to reporters. As the president, I lie to reporters all the time. Also a very true fact of so, all presidents. So Chris, let me just see if I can summarize here what you are saying, because I think Chris, you are brilliant and you just unpacked a brilliant legal strategy for Trump's defense. And that is this, what if I'm I can understand what you were just saying, the basis of your defense is that Trump be Trump. Uh, he's just, a, yeah. he's an idiot. He likes to talk. And sometimes he right. just, Trump says the darndest thing sometimes. And yeah, you could this, as I read this, it sounded almost like gibberish. It almost sounds like it didn't make sense. It so sounds it. like Trump. You don't know what right. he's saying. Now there's witnesses here. And so will the witnesses come in and say, oh yes, this was the document we saw. During his interview with Brett Baer, he was struggling to even remember what the documents were. He said, oh, no, these were like, just press clippings and and news articles and things like that okay but if if the this writer's gonna come and say oh no i, I read the names i saw this was a memo it, it, yeah. whatever you know said it was a tax strategy for afghanistan yeah it was a tax strategy for afghanistan it was presented by general michael flynn who was his chief of staff at the time and right it was approved by dod secretary you know department of defense secretary george maddett like so, but if they did not get a good view of this, then right. Trump's defense is valid. And that is just Trump is being braggadocious. He was just trying to say, yeah, you know what? I could have declassified this when I was the president. Well, if he still did declassify it when he gave that mm -hmm. instruction to his minions, hey, take these documents and take them to my house or declassified, waved his hand, did the whole whatever motion right. to it as kings right, right. do, waved the scepter. They were declassified at that moment. And his right. opinion later on as to whether or not they were declassified classified is just trump being trump is it nonsensical right. yes but it was done by trump and we all know that sometimes trump does not make the most coherent sense all right let's go to the, the next paragraph here well, hold on the best the best way that i see this in my head right now and this is going to sound dumb but this is how i'm going to remember it when i went to my high school prom i rented a car i rented a porsche the girl thought i owned the porsche did i tell her that i rent that porsche not even a little bit. I own that Porsche. That Porsche was my Porsche because I was that type of like guy. I was bragging about whatever money I actually did not have. But that doesn't make it my Porsche at the end of the day. So these documents, I could claim that they're classified all day long. I could say, ooh, I have these classified reports and da-da-da-da-da. But at the end of the day, if they're declassified, I'm just lying for clout. 
Chris, now and, all I want to know is how did your prom date end? I, I just, I, I have to, is she your wife now? Is that, is that what you left out of that part of that story? I no, mm, no, 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 no. My wife would not be duped by some 18 year old loser trying to rent a Porsche to impress her. My wife has much higher standards for that. Uh, she fell for a broke law student in the hopes that she was going to make it rich off a investment in the ground floor. That's where I duped her. There you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> I, I don't even know where my prom date was. I think she lives in like Florida now and married with kids or something. I don't know. I feel so bad about my prom date. My prom <laughs> date uh, for um, my senior year of high school. I It's a, kind of like a Sadie Hawkins kind of thing where the women, the girl asked the guy out. And so okay. she asked me to go to, to prom or... Uh, it might have been homecoming, actually. And in any event, after she asked me, I then started dating the person who ended up I ended up marrying, Wendy. And oh, so, Wendy. but I didn't want to break this off with the other person that asked me to go okay. to this dance. So I went to the dance anyways, but I called it a night at about 8 o'clock. And so it probably wasn't the nicest thing for me to do, but uh, whatever. I had to go uh, meet, meet up was, with Wendy what? and I ended up like marrying Wendy, ago. so it all worked out. Right. Wendy's happier for it. That woman's probably happier for it. She's probably married and has some kids of her own and a really good life listening to the podcast right now. That, that would be great. That would be all right. Let's go on. To if the you next are one. listening, send us an email. I want to get a part of this. Like, let's get in. Uh, Krista Martin, if you're listening as well, please get back in touch. I'd love to hear about you. All right. Let's go on to the next paragraph 35 because there's two different conversations here. Yep. Two different moments where Trump was waving these classified documents. So in paragraph 35, it says in August or September of 2021, not a good sign okay. when it came and pinned it down to the correct month, but whatever. Uh, when he was uh -huh. no longer president, Trump met in his office at the Bed Minister Club with a representative of his political action committee. During that meeting, yep. Trump commented that on an ongoing military operation in country B that wasn't going well. Trump showed the PAC representative a classified map of country B and told the PAC representative that he should not be showing the map to the PAC representative and to not get too close. The PAC representative did not have security clearance or any need to know classified information. And later on, it talks about Trump basically said, hey, here it is. Don't get too close to it, though, because you right. can't actually read it. That would not be proper. Again, my defense, based upon I'm trying to sense what your defense would be, is um, mm -hmm. this is Trump once again just trying to brag, trying to impress his girlfriend mm -hmm. here. He's trying to woo over this pack. Say, hey, look at the kind of power I had. Don't get too close to see this isn't my Porsche. Uh, and uh, But, you know, yeah. this is just more braggadocia going on by Trump. So that's going to be my defense. Uh, again, why is your pack member recording you? Why, why are all these people around Trump making these incriminating recordings? I don't know anyone in my life. And Joel, I'm fair to say that I probably, you probably don't know anyone in your life that has it out for you so bad that they are going with you to events and recording you in case sometime later you get federally indicted. I'm just saying those aren't friends. Those aren't PAC members. Those aren't people of your own political party. That That's not a win. I also agree with you that, again, we're going to establish early on, because all of this, all of these um, charges are stemmed from the fact that Trump did not declassify this information. Let's set aside all of the, like, all of our outrage, all of our righteous indignation about Trump being an idiot and trying to show stuff for clout 
and that, that Trump doing all this instig- instigations and you know running his mouth and being and being a bigger man than he actually is, right? Let's set aside that and let's go to the fact that if the prosecution cannot prove that these documents were still classified, all the rest of this doesn't matter. It's like, going to be a problem. No matter, right. It, no matter it, who he showed it to or anything, once it's declassified and it's, it's everybody can see it, all of this is just Trump being a small child. Let, let, let's talk about that because it is really important. There is a Presidential Records Act law out there right. passed by Congress that kind of talks about Right. Who actually owns presidential records? And there's a difference mm-hmm. between personal records as compared to official records. So the Presidential Records Act is yet to be upheld by the Supreme Court. And there are some problems with the Presidential Records Act such that it it attempts to control what the president must do while he's mm-hmm. in office as compared to what he should do after he leaves office. When does the, the ownership of these records change? There's a lot of arguments I can make that this act is unconstitutional and is yet to be adjudicated. That aside, violations of the Presidential Records Act, it's not that big of a deal. It's just like give the records over to the National Archives so they can control these these presidential records. It's not the subject of throwing someone in jail. And so if if that's what we're talking about, the Presidential Records Act, this is is a big non-nothing burger. The, the the keeping of classified documents and showing them the people that they should not be shown to, that's the bigger deal. That's the one that has mm-hmm. the public's attention and I think has some teeth to it. So I agree with you that whether or not these documents were classified, whether or not he was violating his handling of classified documents is the issue and not whether or not he has some presidential records that should be kept by the National Archives. I think it's a whole separate issue. All right, I want to now focus here, Chris, on paragraph 36, because I think paragraph 36 is another great example on why this is a political indictment. There is no reason for paragraph 36 to be anywhere in this indictment other than to embarrass Trump and to odds add some fodder for the, the media. So let me read for you paragraph 36 and get your response. All right, so this is what paragraph 36 says. On February 16th, 2017, four years before Trump's disclosures of classified information <laughs> set forth above, Trump said at a press conference, the first thing I thought of when I heard about it is how does the press get this information that's classified? How do they do it? You know why? Because it's an illegal process and the press should be ashamed of themselves. But more importantly, the people that gave out the information to the press should be ashamed of themselves. Really ashamed. Okay, mm. I get why mm-hmm. that's that's sexy. I get why that's cool. Oh, it's, it's going to make headlines. It has right? no bearing to be. Why is this in the indictment? Trump's personal thoughts in 2017 bared about, I assume he's talking about Hillary. I don't know. It's yes, irrelevant as to what's going on in 2021. Uh, relevance is an issue for the judge, Joel, not for the <laughs> indictment, uh, which is, again, um, you know, Jack Smith, who is the guy who's putting this indictment together, he's including it as for a reason. And, and I'm not saying I understand what the reason is. And I read that and folks at home could see how, how much I giggled. Um, yeah, I mean, the Trump indictment, fish get caught by the mouth. Like all of this is, you know, putting part of this, and and I think it's brilliant strategy by the prosecution is that the defense is going to have to have a defense of it's Trump being Trump, right? 
Trump's just braggadocious. Yes. Trump is just running his mouth. You can't believe what Trump has to say. The prosecution is going to goat Donald Trump into continually running his mouth and making their case for him. Because as long as Trump goes with that line of I'm being braggadocious, I'm, I'm chasing clout, I'm out here trying to impress people, I'm trying to do all these things, Trump could probably beat the rap easily and then flip it into, look, we got to you know, donate more money to my campaign because I'm being attacked by Democrats left, right, and center with bogus trumped up charges. You know, we got to make sure that I become president so that way I can overhaul the FBI and I could do all these things and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? The fine line, the, the knife's edge here. But the prosecutor's goading Donald Trump into reacting by putting stuff like this in here, that, which will, that in turn will hurt Donald Trump's case even more because Trump will run his, Trump cannot resist being goaded. Right. And that, again, that's his hubris, right? He has to have last words. He has to keep talking. So this is just pure prosecution strategy. All right, well, well, well said. Now, let's the second part of the, this indictment, see, second part, there's 37 indictments. But, you know, yeah. the first part Why is going to be these classified documents. You showed them to people. <clears throat> you kept them, and you shouldn't have kept them. The second part is the obstruction of justice part where Trump is trying to, right. you know, obstruct and, and conceal the findings of these, these, uh, these documents. And so let's focus on that for just a bit. Now, I do think it's important mm -hmm. that Trump is going to be running up the flagpole, the comparison to Hillary Clinton, uh, his, All his thought process that this is a political indictment. Look, you did not go after Hillary Clinton. It was actually he didn't go after Hillary Clinton, but it's a whole other story. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the DOJ did not go after Hillary Clinton. What did she do in her attempt to obstruct justice? She bleached her email server to destroy all of the emails when she knew they were looking for them. So she destroyed by Allegedly. bleaching her server all of the evidence. Keep that in mind Allegedly. as we go over paragraph 54. So in paragraph 54, it's, it's not a good look for Trump. It's just not. Trump made some statements to his lawyers to the effect of, I don't want to turn over these documents. So let's look at these <laughs> statements because I am going to suggest that even though at first glance they seem bad, at, mm -hmm. at third or fourth or maybe the fifth glance, they're not so bad. And so let's go <laughs> over these statements. All right. First statement that Trump said, I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes. Okay. This is, by the way, this is what he is saying to his attorneys. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess nothing really bad there other than Trump really doesn't want people looking through his boxes. The second right. one says this. Well, what if we, what happens if we just don't respond at all or don't play ball with them? Hmm. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> now, subpoenas, Chris, subpoenas are not something you just don't play ball with. Right, right. But let, let's, 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 let's go back. Let's rewind just a bit. This is a conversation that Trump had with, with his, his lawyers. Why right. is this even something that's in an indictment? There's attorney-client privilege here. And the defense is saying, or the prosecution is saying, oh, no, this is Trump trying to plan fraud this is trump trying to plan some kind of criminal activity so it's not protected by the attorney client privilege no mm -hmm. that's not that's trump asking a valid question why is that not attorney client protected when you ask a valid question he knew that what hillary did he knew what bill clinton what bill clinton did with the sock drawer he knew uh you know so 
he's asking a valid question. Why can't clients ask their lawyer a valid question without all of a sudden that valid inquiry, you know, uh, by causing your trade cloud privilege to be lost? So I have a couple of questions as it relates to this. One, how did he get this information? How did the prosecution get that Trump asked these questions? If Trump said this in an interview, right? He waived attorney-client privilege on this point. I think there was if, a subpoena for it. I, th I think that they went and they got him uh, from the attorneys. So then you would have to get over that barrier, that, that level of privilege of attorney-client privilege to get there. So, so as a defense attorney, right? This is what I'm thinking about. This is, this is, this is my mindset. Okay, one, the subpoena that was issued is invalid, right? You cannot subpoena. There is no case. There is no precedent on file that says you're allowed to subpoena um, conversations with your clients in a fishing expedition to see if he committed a crime. Right. You can't do it. Also, um, as a criminal defense attorney or as an attorney representing, I know intimate details of my clients. I know whether or not they committed crimes or not. I know whether or not they should take plea bargains on crimes they've committed. People are like, oh, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You're right. I don't want to know. But people like Trump, again, fish get caught by the mouth, will tell you. And so you know this. But that's part of the privilege, right? You want to have that absolute trust between you and your lawyer to say whatever you want to say and not have it come out in court. So, again, there's two points here. You attack the subpoena that got this information, these four quotes. And I know we only did two. Right? You attack that subpoena saying, how did you get this? Two, you attack the attorney if they supplied it to the um, prosecution because that is a clear violation of attorney-client privilege. Or three, you have to have a really good argument for how you got around the privilege. And how you got around the privilege may be, well, Donald Trump went on Alex Jones and this is what he said he said to his attorneys. And if now, I'm just quoting Donald Trump from a public statement, it's good. Here's some procedural game. context for this. So this, this was litigated in the D.C. federal court. And right. the court there said that, no, the attorney-client privilege does not apply here because it doesn't apply to when you're planning out a crime. I think it's a bogus decision. Mm, I think that's wrong. That is a bogus decision. But now this is in federal court in Miami, a different federal court. And a lot of the right. discussion is, will this judge reconsider that decision? My point is, again, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse. This is a political prosecution. Right. There's no reason for this communication between lawyer and client to go in an indictment, if not to embarrass Trump. Let's look at the next two statements. Wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here? Again, that's a valid question for Trump to ask the lawyer. He, he knows what happened with Hillary, how she bleached her email server. It's How is that not a valid question to ask? And then lastly... Well, look, isn't it better if there were no documents? Yes, 100% better if there's no documents, Donald Trump. If, yeah. if you did not steal documents from the U.S. government, this would not be a problem. Okay, that we're going to get to that in just a bit. That is right. Just, that's, that's probably just, the most troubling part of saying. this whole inquiry is how is Trump not smart enough to avoid this whole issue, right? But right. that being said, I do think this, these are valid questions for a client to ask the lawyer. This should have been protected by attorney-client privilege. And so mm -hmm. I think it's fair for Trump to ask these, these questions. Yeah. All right. Fair. So are, are we ready to give our concluding thoughts here as to what we think are the best <laughs> defenses? 
Uh, let me give you my takes and my defenses. Uh -huh. I'll give you a chance to kind of come up with your your responses. Uh, and, or you can just respond as I give mine. Uh, I think this is a political prosecution, no question about it. But it's these are very serious charges that Trump has to have a response to because these are this is not like what was done in New York. This is a crime. The, the prosecutor laid out the elements of the crime. Trump seems to have met these elements. And the fact that it's a political prosecution is not necessarily going to win at the end of the day. Now, Chris, it might get him a hung jury. You, it is possible if he runs with a political prosecution theory, there might be some jurors who say, we're Trump supporters. This is a, We're not going to play along here. We're right. going to rule not guilty, and then you get a hung jury. So I do think the political prosecution theory could help get a hung jury, but it's not an absolute answer or defense to these charges. Do you agree with that? Y yes, but political persecution is affirmative defense and it's a fine line to walk okay right because because if you say it's political persecution you also have to prove now the burden shifts right it shifts back to the defense that you have to prove that you declassify the documents if you just hang your hat on i declassified the documents because i said so when i was president i was in a room i looked at them i declassified the documents and I don't have to tell anybody. I don't have to write it down in a decree and read it from the Rose Garden. I don't have to do anything. I put my hands on the box. I didn't even put my hands on the box. I sat in the Oval Office and said, you know what? All of those boxes out there, they're declassified. And I can be that vague. Absolutely that vague. The minute that you bring up political persecution, you have to agree that you took the boxes without permission. And that's... And that's a fine line you're not ready to walk yet because I don't think you could walk that back. I think that, and I don't think you can appeal that because once you admit that it's political persecution and that you took the boxes and that they're just persecuting you because you took the boxes, you have to open up that whole door. Well, you don't have and to then, open up the door that they weren't declassified. They, yeah, he didn't declassify them. Um, I, I still think then that. Why the, then why the persecution? Because they right? want, they want to get rid of their political opponent, they want to throw him in jail. Right. And so you can but bring charges. But the way charges. that they do that, right? You bring charges because you took classified documents. Well, no. Even if you brought documents that were declassified, is still if it's a political persecution, that's why that was their motivation for bringing it. Um, and but bringing a criminal charge, if you're doing it for just a political hit, like again, that's disbarring, that's censure, that's all sorts of things to Jack Smith and his career in the office of the DOJ. Right. So Trump would have Trump's team has to have more. I would say they would need more concrete proof of it being a political prosecution, because they did. You and you, I, you hit it spot on. They laid out what a crime was. They laid out the elements of a crime, and they showed how they believe Donald Trump committed this crime. Now, what about what is your take on this uh, issue? This is something that's been bothering me as I go over mm -hmm. this indictment, this whole deal. I think this is a victimless crime. Who has these documents right now? The National Archives. They are the entity mm -hmm. that should have these documents are the ones that protect presidential right. records. And so this is a victimless crime. This is a process crime. This is the procedure that was used for the National mm -hmm. Archives to get these documents wasn't followed. Wham, wham, we want our procedures followed. This isn't a situation where he got drunk and hit someone with his car, right? There is no victim right. in a hospital or in a morgue somewhere. This is just simply someone's processes and procedures were not followed. 
I think when the American public realizes that, they're going to go, well, then why are we allowing one party to prosecute their opponent, the, the, their leader, the, my political adversary is their leader, the leading guy in the presidential election, pros prosecute him to throw him in jail. When we're talking about you didn't follow the right processes. I think once, once people realize that, then that might shift some thinking. Any, nope. any um, thoughts on that? No, because we sat through 12 hours of a Benghazi hearing in the middle of the Hillary Clinton election cycle when she took on Donald Trump in 2016. 12 hours we sat there and Jim Jordan ran his idiotic mouth about Benghazi this and Benghazi that and Benghazi this and well, there was email a victim servers Benghazi. First off, there was no victim because she deleted emails. It was a victimless crime. That's what, if that's what you're talking about, yes, did people die at Benghazi? Absolutely. Was it incredibly tragic at Benghazi? Yes, absolutely. Did the State Department, did the FBI and the DOJ do, do all sorts of um, investigations to find out what happened? Yes. What did Hillary do? She paused for 11 and a half minutes and didn't send in soldiers, which costs a lot of lives. Okay, great. The Benghazi hearings was about Hillary Clinton's email server uh, okay. that was in her closet that she wiped clean. That's I what the, the Benghazi hearings were about. Right. So, so what we're saying now is that the American people watched it. They watched Jim Jordan do it for 12 hours on C-SPAN and CNN and Fox News and MSNBC in the middle of a presidential election. They're not going to wake up at any point. Also, I don't think it's a victimless crime. Because I think that every moment that Donald Trump sits out there and runs his mouth, he does more and more damage to this country. The more he sits out there and he goes, look, I have classified documents. Ah, I'm such a big guy. I'm such a big guy. He's empowering these groups. And I'm not saying he's empowering all of the conservative party, but there are right-wing extreme groups that look at Trump like a deity. And if he is able to just wave his hands around and say, ha ha ha, I beat the system. I don't have to follow anybody's rules. They legitimately believe that they don't have to do it either. Well, so it's not a, a victim of this crime. Well, that's a nice segue to my, my next point, uh, which is I, um, sometimes I get creative in my, in my segues. Mm -hmm. you, you I love them. Yeah, no, let's that, do this. That Trump being Trump, it could be a bad thing for this country. And so that's where you're going to find uh, the, the victims, which kind of leads into my next point, which is this. Why was Trump so stupid as to let this happen? Should we have a, a moment of pause going, Trump, what were you thinking? You knew where this was headed, or are you were you too stupid not to realize this? Or did you just not think it would happen? I, I, I have a little bit of a problem with trying to understand why did Trump allow this to happen? They were having conversations with the, the National Archives, with the DOJ. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to thumb his nose at them, said, I don't want to follow your rules. So in a right. way, you could say he was almost begging this to happen. Yes. This was a controversy. That did not have to happen. All he had to do mm -hmm. was turn over these documents. And again, you could say, okay, uh, there really were no documents. These weren't really classified secrets. Right. Maybe attack that happened in the past, but th these weren't shown to anybody. Um, mm -hmm. So Trump, why hold on to them? Why not just turn them over? I mean, he's always wanted the fight. He's always, one of my, like, my big things is that Trump loves the attention and he loves being in the spotlight. I look at Brent Kavanaugh's um, appointment to the Supreme Court. Now, agree with Kavanaugh, don't agree with Kavanaugh. It is what it is. 
but you could have picked one of 700 judges that fit the profile of Brent Kavanaugh, right? That didn't have um, Dr. Ford lining up in the background, ready to testify against him for, for alleged actions that he did while he was in college. Trump wants that fight. Trump wants to do what Trump wants to do, and Trump will do what Trump wants to do all the time. Even when he was a businessman in the 80s and 90s in, in New York City, he did what he want, how he wanted, when he wanted it, and he had no repercussion whatsoever. I, and that's that's narcissism to a T. I will agree with the narcissism to a capital T, capital N, I don't know how you want it, whatever capitalization you want yeah. to use there. I will agree that right. Trump is a narcissist. Uh, of course, for the record, I love a Brett Kavanaugh. I think what was done Which to him is fine. was an atrocity. But that being said, why was Trump so stupid as to let this happen? All right. Now, I want to focus here a little bit here because, man, we are definitely going at it, running out of time, but I actually really like this conversation. <laughs> it's great. But why file this indictment in Florida? Now, there was a Supreme Court case issued just last week called Smith v. United States involving venue. And venue is this right. idea of where do you bring, where do you have this trial? You right. bring this trial in a lot of different places. Where is the best place to have this trial? And in Smith of the United States, it involved Timothy, Timothy Smith, who was charged with theft mm -hmm. of trade secrets. Among other things, he used a software program to obtain proprietary information about desirable mm -hmm. fishing spots. I'm kind of glad about that. I would like to know where I can actually yeah, go to yeah, catch yeah. fish. Yeah, share that. But he kind share of stole that, that, I guess, and then shared it illegally. And he lived in Alabama. The company that he stole from was in Florida. They tried the case in Florida and not in Alabama. He said, look, you did it in the wrong venue. That case goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court. This, mm -hmm. And it was decided this last week. and Because the issue is this. If it was improper, if the venue was improper, what do you do? Do you say, okay, the trial is right. done? And now we're going to undo the trial and double jeopardy applies. And the guy does not face, have to face a retrial. The Supreme court said no to that. Uh, the mm -hmm. proper remedy here for improper venue is to do the trial again. Now, obviously this is because there was a conviction in the first place and they undid right. that conviction. Now they go back and they have a, a retrial. The reason why I'm right. mentioning that is that did play into the Trump's case on right. where do you file these charges do you file in dc no or do you file it in florida and you favor where the the victim the the defendant you 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 favor the defendant which i think is a smart move by by jack smith okay so they filed it in florida and i was wondering why because it seemed like you're much more likely to get a favorable judge in Florida for mm -hmm. and Donald Trump, which they right. did. Uh, they got a judge, uh, Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee. Uh, so they did get a favorable judge. So I thought, why would you file it in Florida? Now, if they filed it in D.C., I mentioned earlier, the D.C. judge had already ruled that these documents were not protected by attorney-client yeah. privilege that now will be revisited by another federal judge, and she could disagree right. with that decision, and that could be a game-changer mm -hmm. in this case why file it in the in florida well i think we got our answer this week apparently the southern district of florida has a nickname it's called the rocket docket they love to jettison <laughs> their cases and so just yep. today i heard because I, I, I prepared my outline, and my outline was there is no chance this case is going to be tried before the next presidential election, which is going to be over a year and a half away, right? Rocket docket. So I heard today that they set a trial date for August. 
And I'm going, oh, wow, that's like right before the presidential election, November. That's a lot sooner than I thought. No, August, like in this two year. months from now, August, this year. that's yep. when the trial is supposed to take place. Part of me says there is no way that's they're going to have a trial in August of 2023. But well, that being said, if that's when it was set, there is a chance this gets decided and litigated before the next presidential election. I don't know. Right. I had my mind made up and now it's blown. Also, if Trump didn't waive time, right? Again, you have a right to a quick and speedy trial. We often overlook that because defendants often waive time, right? They, they want to stay out of prison or out of the crosshairs of the court for as long as humanly possible. If Trump did not waive time, that puts incredible pressure to get their act together on the prosecution side to be able to get Trump to have a, a full prosecution because then the defense can run in there and be like, look, your honor prosecution didn't meet their burden. Not our fault. They weren't ready in two months. They brought these wow. charges. They should have been ready. They didn't meet their burden. Let's go ahead and dismiss, which is a great defense strategy because that's another issue that could be appealed. Right? I get that's a that, but man, I don't right. see that happening. That's here. a gamble. I think throwing the, the dice hard. The technicalities of, of the prosecution case is that they win. They're ready to, yes. to meet the, 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 the oh, elements ready to of the crime. Trump's best strategy here is to wait as long as he can, hope that DeSantis wins the next election, and then Trump will get pardoned and there'll be no trial. And that, <laughs> if I were his lawyer, that's the strategy I would go with. Because you right. know if there's a trial, he's going to want to testify. Maybe he mm -hmm. wants to run his campaign from jail. I don't know. Oh. I, would have, I would fear that if I were his lawyer, and so I would be saying also, no trial. Think of think just the optics, right? Let's look at the optics. Trump goes to trial. Trump appointee judge in a Florida district, which is very Trump favorable, and they find him guilty. Or you could, or this. You could make you could make the argument if it was an Obama appointed judge or a Biden appointed judge that it was an even bigger political hit. That you're but if it's right. a, you're a Trump appointee judge in Florida and you got found guilty. Like you're taking a lot of that politics off the table it is. by doing oh, yeah. by putting that. I agree hundred percent. That is that is why I like this it being in this Florida court. Because now right. if there is a conviction, Trump got a fair shake. I mean there is no way Andy can say I mean, anyone can say Trump did not get a fair shake in court. Stop despite whatever the might have been the motivation for the prosecution. Right. All right, it is time for a quick courtroom quarterback Ooh. segment. So quick, so quick. All right, so Chris, the whole point of this here is basically just to toot our own horn, scratch mm -hmm. our own back. I don't know what metaphor you want to use, but we talked about how the PGA and the the live LIV merger. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We were saying, how in the world is this not going to be antitrust violation? Here we go. And now that's big. That's all, that was the whole the whole discussion was yep. like this is going to be antitrust violation, and it kind of brings up the issue of when how can you have a professional sports franchise? Let's just say the NFL not be an yep. antitrust violation, but at least now hold your horses on the PGA LIV merger. It might not happen. The, uh, the, the, some senators are asking for the DOJ to look into this. Yeah. I mean, nail on the head, right? You're buying your competition or you're, you're merging with your competition. Like that, that is clear antitrust. That's like Coke and Pepsi merging together to make one soft drink. 
Yes, this like, is we're not, not. We're not doing N- it. Yeah. Or this is not the NFL just becoming the best product in the, the world. Right. This is two different organizations saying we want to do a joint enterprise together to right. squash out all of our competition. That's right. a, become, that is the formula of a monopoly. And now the DOJ might step in and say, no, you, you can't have this, right. this merger. You have a 98% market share now between your two organizations. That is the classic definition of a monopoly. That is yeah. the classic definition of what antitrust laws are set up to protect. And I think this will be a hundred percent of the entire world. Um, Cause I can't think of yeah. another golf league outside of the, yeah, the PGA, the, the European PGA yeah. and the, uh, the LIV golf. And I am unaware of a single other guys, professional golf league. Right. I same, but I, I also don't know everything that's in the world. So I like to stay at around 98, 99%. <laughs> it's always good to hedge your bets. All right, lastly, here, I'm right. going to give you the last word. Uh, the Suns did a big trade this last week. They traded Chris Paul for Beal from, the, I believe, the Washington Wizards. Chris yep. Paul said he was surprised by it. I think he was the only one surprised by the fact that he was traded. I mean, he had basically been saying yeah. he's old, he's injury prone, he can't win championships. He's been on the chopping block for about a month here. But nonetheless, yep. do you think this is a good trade for your Phoenix Suns? No. I, I, I would once again like to thank Kevin Durant for ruining my son's organization. I said it six months ago when he got the trade into Phoenix, and I'm saying it now. Chris, it just, Chris Paul is, he's got chops to be one of the best leaders to this team. And we're just saying goodbye. I mean, how much longer until Booker leaves? How much longer, like, it's just, the Suns are going to dismantle themselves all because they spent way too much money and maxed out our future to get a guy that played 10 games during the regular season and probably is going to be injured this entire next season under his contract. Like I, KD is known as the slim reaper for many reasons. And he has taken another team down. Now, Chris, laying I, it I, at his feet. I like to um, surprise you with different kinds of questions because I feel like I can get an honest assessment on what the people think. Is you you have a good pulse of what the the, the common <laughs> the folk people. think. Uh, and so let me just give you a, a, a question here. What do you think is the bigger story? So because uh, this is Monday morning that I turned on, I turn on ESPN every morning to watch to see of course, what, what happens in do. the world of sports. And I, I actually documented this, and I for some reason I was chronicling this and. And so the um, uh, the first thirty minutes of Sports Center, which is that's a big deal, right? Yep. Actually, what it was, yeah, it was, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, very big deal. Yeah. Uh, so first thirty minutes, and uh, it's, it's not the Sports Center; it's the other one the ESPN does. Get up in the morning, I believe. It's get up. Yeah, um, yeah, whatever it is. Yes. Same and thing, so for the first name. thirty minutes, uh, you had two items that were talked about on Monday morning. The one item was the U.S. Open, which just played okay. the day before and won. Yep. Clark won it from the University of Oregon. Great. I watched the entire, not the entire thing, but I watched a lot of the U.S. Open. Uh, and then there was the trade where the Phoenix Suns traded Chris Paul for Beal. Okay. Mm-hmm. One story got three minutes of the first 30. The other one, minus commercials, got the rest. What story do you think got the lion's share of, of reporting of coverage by ESPN on Monday morning at seven o'clock. Chris Paul. He did. What? A ton of it. I, I well, was, it, it was 17 yeah. minutes before they even went 
to the U.S. Open story, covered yeah. it for three minutes, and then went right back right. to the Chris Paul story. I mean, the Suns are blowing everything up right now. I can't. I I wish I had something better. I mean, Monty is one of the the best coaches that the Suns have had in 25 years. They got rid of him. They got rid of Mikhail Bridges. They got rid of Cam. Um, they 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 brought in KD. He he played 10 games and then just sucked on the bench for for the rest of the time. Like they're bringing in Voight to be the new head coach, and then they're bringing a couple other Lakers coaches in right now. Like I don't know what the Phoenix Suns are doing, and I will happily Joel eat every word that is coming out of my mouth if the Phoenix Suns pull a chip next year. But for right now, from where I'm sitting in my ivory tower of what the hell are you doing? They're they're falling apart. And my only hope in all of this is that Booker goes to Golden State. I'm just saying. There you go. All right. Well, hey, have a great week. I think we did a good job unpacking the the Trump uh, indictment, defense, and prosecution. Hey, free to for you to use as you please, but nothing that we said Mm -hmm. should be constituted as legal advice. All right. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.